everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, uh, we are kicking off our series called The Unshakables. It's really about how do we build the unshakable life by laying unshakable foundations, the biblical foundations in our lives. And this morning, uh, we really we want to unpack the idea that the unshakable life is one built upon the rock of Jesus and his word. And so this morning, we're going to start out uh, by looking at a passage in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke. I actually want to look at... Uh, Luke, as well as the same portion in Matthew. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Luke and Matthew in, in Scripture, when we look at the Scripture, it is one whole book. Many of you, you might be familiar with the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, and some people can have the really poor theology and mindset that because we have the New Testament, the Old Testament is unnecessary anymore. That is not the way it works. Uh, he is God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is one book. He's given it all. It's important that we have the full, whole counsel of God. But one of the aspects that you will see in the beginning of the New Testament is that there are what we call the Gospels. The Gospels give us kind of eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus and, and help us to understand this, this person, Jesus, and what it, where he came from, what he did on the earth, and what he has called us to do, and really this big grand narrative that we are a part of, and particularly the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what they call the synoptic gospels. What does that mean? Well, it's kind of like if you have ever been at an event or a concert venue nowadays, immediately one of the things that you will notice if you're going to a concert is the plethora of phones that are trying to capture little snippets or pictures and everything. It's amazing how sometimes I have to, I'm at an encounter, I'm at an event, and I have to tell myself, okay, I'm here. Let me just look at it instead of looking through this little lens and take it in. But one of the interesting things about that is you can get multiple, uh, you can get multiple perspectives of the same event. So you might have many people who are all sharing it on Facebook and giving their view, their perspective, their place in the audience. And what we see here with the Synoptic Gospels is a similar thing, where we have three Gospels that are very close. They're, they're almost syncretized in in flow, in some of the events and the accounts that they give, but they're coming from different perspectives. And so I want to read the account that we see from Luke, the book of Luke, and also after that I want to read uh, from the book of Matthew, the, these two accounts of Jesus giving probably what, was, what is probably should be known as the greatest of all speeches ever communicated called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, it's the end of this passage, the end of this grand declaration and talk that Jesus is giving that he makes a very strong and important point that is really gonna be the, serve as the foundation for everything that we're gonna hit on over the next 12 to 13 weeks. So if you would join me, we're gonna read looking at the book of Luke. We have it on the screens. If you want to look on the screens, if you don't have a scripture, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to look at it for yourself in your scriptures. I'm going to begin in chapter 6, verse 46. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep 
and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, if you would, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 as well. Actually, chapter 7. And we're going to begin chapter 7, verse 24. Says, Jesus is saying, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not know them, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell. A great, and great was the fall of it. Father, help us this morning as we read your word, Lord, that we would not just be people who hear it and do nothing about it, but we would hear your word and we would build upon it, Lord, that we would live unshakable lives, that we'd have lives that when the storm comes, when the rain falls, when the, the flood comes and we're beat against by the wind and the waves, Lord, that we would stand unshaken on you. Help us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, real quick, this is what we're going to do. We're actually going to start a little bit differently today. Uh, I want you, look at the person next to you. We're going to play a quick round of rock, paper, scissors. Okay, so quickly, everybody, just look at somebody next to you. All right. Best out of three, okay, best out of three. If you don't have someone next to you and there's somebody else, play the winner of that one. The way that you play rock, paper, scissors, in case you're unfamiliar, there are three hand signals. Rock, paper, scissors, okay? Scissors, uh, paper covers rock. Scissors cuts paper. Rock beats scissors every time, all right? So rock, paper, scissors, go. All right, I'm gonna play. I wanna play with you. All right. Ah. Ah. All right, everybody done. All right, where are all the winners? Where are all the winners at? Woo! All right, we're gonna pray for all those that didn't win. We're gonna have a special healing service. Now, this this game is also known as Rochambeau. It's an age-old game that is really about as random. Uh, as they come, you can, like as I said, you can pick one of three things, and honestly, the winner is just kind of up to chance. It's just this random, uh, random game as a result that has nothing to do with strength, speed, uh, skill. Uh, I actually was amazed to see that there are actual rock, paper, scissors championships and tournaments. Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. Um, more of it is just based on like guessing what your opponent is going to do based on their telltale signs and everything. But really, it's just this random thing. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like 
when, when you look at who succeeds and who doesn't succeed, why this worked out, why it didn't work out, the different things that happen in our life, sometimes it can just feel so random and almost feel like, you know what, whether, you know, yes, there are certain things you can, maybe if you have a certain level of education or you go to a certain school or you work hard, but even then, it's amazing how you can do seemingly all the things and then still crap happens. You know, I don't mean to be crass, but junk happens. And it can almost feel just completely up to chance. And I believe that even though that there is mystery and there are certain things that maybe we won't fully understand until we are face to face with the Lord, that God desires for us to, and he has made a way for us to build our lives in such a way that even when stuff happens, who we are and our life in him can be secure and not left up to chance. That there is a way that we can build that we can win every time. And the way that he has given us is through his word. It's from laying foundations that we can live and build an unshakable life. Here in this passage in Luke, this is really, like I said, Jesus is sharing this parable at the end of this famous talk that he's been giving. One of the most amazing uh, pieces of literature and one of the, I would love actually if, if, I believe that if we have DVR here, surely God has something way better than DVR in heaven. So I'm like, Lord, I need to go see, let me go, go see that message one more time. I mean, it's like, we got podcasts. Seriously, there's like Godcast or something that we can tap into. I know that's cheesy, whatever, it just came off the top of the dome. Uh, but I want to hear this speech, but, but, but the power of it it's not just in what he said throughout the whole thing. Everything was so rich, so deep, so many great principles that were communicated. But he is a master teacher. He, he, he is an incredible communicator. But more than that, see, you have some teachers that they like to be heard. They just like to talk. They like other people to nod and amen and approve what they're saying. You know, I don't mind if you talk back at me, if you encourage me as we're preaching. That's great. But that's not really the goal of me being here. My heart and, and my, the reason I'm here is because I believe that if these things, if this Bible is lived out, that our lives will be transformed. And Jesus believed the same thing. And he genuinely didn't just want to speak to people or talk at people. He loved them so much that he understood, it's not going to change your life just to listen to me. You actually have to do what I'm telling you or you will not be changed. He wants, he, he's looking at a people and he knows that the storm is coming. It's never a question of whether or not the storm is going to come. It's coming and he loves them so much that he wants to help them understand how to build a life that can sustain and can, can stand against the storm. And so Jesus is communicating as he often did in a very practical way, understanding the people and the climate that he's talking to. So here during this time and the place that he was speaking during the hot summer months in this arid climate where Jesus was communicating, one of the things that would take place is that the ground would become so hard because of the dryness that it was limited to its capacity to absorb rainwater. And so when the storms would come, what would often result would be flash flooding. Now the wise person would build a house that would go deep, down deep into the surface until they found the bedrock, and that is what they would build upon. And that was how they would establish the foundation. Now, it's really fitting that he was communicating this because he wanted them to understand, again, this isn't just about a moment. It's not just about a service. It's not just about a religious time where we gather and we go through this tradition. What is being communicated is for you 
to not only exist and survive, but for you to build long-term, for you to build something that your children's children will be able to stand on, that your children's children would be able to walk on. So there's a couple things, three things I really want to note about the parable, and then we're going to unpack this. The first thing is this. Both men in this story, in this parable that Jesus is giving, are building a house. Both experienced the same kind of circumstance, which was flooding. One man's house remained unshaken. The other was destroyed. So what's the difference? What's the point Jesus is making? Well, point number one is this. Our lives are being built upon a foundation. So both men build a house, but they choose different foundations to be built upon. Now this house is symbolic of our lives. Each one of us are building our lives on different foundations. Really what we're talking about, we're talking about foundations, is it has to do with what it is that we believe. What are the things that we believe? Who are the people in our lives that we believe? And what we believe really affects everything. Every one of us has a foundation that our lives have been made up on and it's what we kind of call our worldview. Our foundational beliefs make up our worldview. I've got a definition that I want to read to you by author James Sire of the book, uh, The Universe Next Door. He says this, a worldview is a set of presuppositions, assumptions which may be true, partially true, or entirely false, which we hold consciously or subconsciously, consistently or inconsistently, about the basic makeup of our world. Now, our foundation, our worldview can be built upon many things, and not all of them are bad. There, there's all kinds of things. It could be success, education, power, wealth, pressure, family. Uh, you know, sometimes we build upon cultural norms. Many, that's why it's so important that we're aware of the influences that come to us via media. You know, the world and, and people who program, especially uh, television programs, it's very intentional about a worldview to be pro projected. Uh, when you look at children's programming, children's programming is very intentional about the way they design the programs. Why? Because they want to influence, they want to educate the people that are watching it. And it's important because if we're not aware, all of a sudden our brains are being programmed and we don't even realize it. Social media shapes, it, it, it's, it, it affects our programming. Education affects our programming, our cultural and family norms. I don't know how many of you have watched the movie The Waterboy, uh, but Bobby Boucher, uh, who's the main character in The Waterboy, mama was a huge influence in Bobby Boucher's life. And it was like whatever he heard, he would always think, well, mama said this. And sometimes mama was right, and sometimes mama wasn't right, but mama said uh, and the things we have different cultural norms. There's a movie, I don't necessarily highly recommend it. It's an old movie by, uh, with Steve Martin in it called The Jerk. And, you know, he's a little bit confused, and he's, he's adopted by a black family. If you don't know, Steve Martin is not black. And his dad has given him this word of advice before he goes out to explore the world. And he says, Dad, what is this advice? And he says, Son, remember, whatever you do, don't trust Whitey is his word of encouragement as he goes out in the world. And, and we can laugh, but the truth is we all have various worldview and presuppositions based on our experiences and our cultural upbringing, some of which is biblical and godly and some of which, quite frankly, is not. Now, the, tra the, the challenge is that 
for those of you who have come into faith in God, and this happens a lot, as people come into, they get saved, they want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but they don't want to give up. They don't want their minds to be renewed by the hearing of the word, and so they just try to add in and syncretize and just bring in. It's like if you move in you know, to a new place and you just move all that stuff that was in the garage in the old home and you just move it into the garage of the new home. And you just, you, rather than sorting through it and realize we don't need all this junk anymore, <laughs> how many more houses are we going to move this to? How many, or rather, how many garages are we going to shove this into? People just bring all their false de- ideology and worldview in without really saying, Jesus, what do you say about this? You see, much of the confusion of the church, especially in today's, uh, in today's experience when it comes to ethnic reconciliation, has to do not that Jesus endorses racism, but because a lot of people brought a lot of garbage from one garage to the next and a lot of broken worldview from one place to the next rather than allowing the, cru- the, the cross to cut that off. Y'all hear me this morning? Yeah. And so it's very important. What, what, what we're looking at here is we are building our life about, uh, on a foundation. And the truth of the matter is that our point two is our foundation will be tested. We're all building on a foundation. That's point one. Point two is our foundation will be tested. Make no, no if ands, or buts about it. You know, I lived in, <clears throat> excuse me, I lived in Florida for a little bit of time. Actually, the past, out of the past 16 years, uh, my wife and I, we spent time in Florida for the majority of that with our children as we were getting engaged in, in ministry down there. And the last four years before we moved here, we were in Jacksonville, Florida, which Jacksonville was a lot better than when we were in Tallahassee. If you've never been to Tallahassee, God bless you. God bless my family in Tallahassee, but it's just like, there's just not a lot there. Beyond FSU and Florida A&M and some government buildings, there's not a lot there. But when we moved to Jacksonville, there was a beach. And so then we really felt like we were in Florida. Tallahassee was like just living in like South Georgia. Uh, but, uh, but Jack Talanasty, I'm not going to go that far, man. Jesus died for Tallahassee, so we love him. Uh, but Jacksonville had a beach, and so we go out to the beach, and my kids love the beach. They love playing in it. I've got, like, these little sweet little, you know, boys that love playing in the beach. And, but one of the things that would always be just so sad <laughs> is when they would get so hyped about building um, building these sandcastles or building these very various constructs and the tide would start to come in as we were out there the longer and it would just be washed away. And then they would try to build it again and it would just be washed away. And each time, so often, our lives are like that. We're building on faulty foundations. We're building upon our career. We're building upon our pride. We're building upon fear. We're building upon false presuppositions or false uh, narratives when it comes to worldview. And inevitably, Every time a storm comes, storm comes, we're shaken. This is, not, I'm not, this is not just a word for people who don't know God. A lot of times people think that this passage is actually talking about saved versus unsaved people. He's talking about people. What did he say at the beginning of it? You call me Lord, Lord. He's talking to church people. He's talking to people who've been following him, showing up for the, first, for the free fish dinners. Showed up for the miracle spectacular, and they're following him. He's saying, you've, you've come to a lot of meetings, but if, if you're really a follower, why is it that every time a situation comes up where you're tested, you're just crushed? Come on, come on. You, you call me Lord, Lord, 
But every time somebody doesn't come at you the way you think they should, you get an attitude. You call me Lord, Lord, but every time there's an opportunity to sow and be generous, you get real stingy. Just two chuckles on that one, two chuckles. You call me Lord, Lord, and you praise real loud, but you sound real loud yelling at all your family at home. It's real. You can go to church all you want to, but if you don't build on this rock, whenever the storm comes, you're just going to be devastated. And unfortunately, it doesn't just affect you. It affects those around you. You see, when they built the Twin Towers, deep enough for a... They built them with... They dug deep enough for a foundation that could withstand the impact of the largest plane at that time. They weren't thinking about the innovations of things that would come eventually, larger planes, larger uh, capacity planes that would have a greater impact. They built based on what they could see in front of them. Now, the planes that eventually hit the Twin Towers were larger than that. Had it been just a plane that they had built for, it would have had an impact, there would have been a crash, but it wouldn't have been as severe. But they were short-sighted in their building. And so when the plane struck, the first plane and the second plane struck the Twin Towers, it didn't just affect the builders, it affected everyone in the building. We can become so short-sighted when it comes to the foundations that we lay in our lives. We're just trying to build based on what's in front of us now and not thinking about that God is actually wanting to build a foundation in you that it will not just sustain you. It's going to sustain your marriage and your children and your children's children. It will be something that many will be blessed by or many will be devastated by. The enemy is so strategic. It used to scare the pants off of me when I was in uh, this, this discipleship class, leadership development class, and the, and the pastor said this. He said, He was telling the class, he said, you know what? The devil is very strategic in the bombs that he plants. Many times we think, especially when we notice little cracks in our character, uh, and and we think that because we haven't been exposed or we haven't had this big fallout that, that it's okay, that God's endorsing this. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen situations where it's like, man, you had maybe this one person and they're just living promiscuously and they never get pregnant, they never get an STD, and then somebody else, they like you know, have one fall and all of a sudden they have twins or something, you know, it's like you can, you can never tell, but they think that, man, because I'm getting away with it, it's no big deal. You'll hear this phrase, it's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting anybody. We'll say, well, it's not hurting anybody. But what the enemy is so strategic is he will wait until people are building with you and on you to set that sucker off because he doesn't want to just take you out. He wants to take out everybody around you. You will be tested. On the flip side, it can work in the opposite, in a better way. You see, in September of 2011, my wife and I were doing ministry at a church in North Carolina, and we were preparing for a series that we were going to do called The Fight. And this had been a big campaign that we're going to do. We had put together uh, life group books for this, and I was the creative director at the time. And one of the things that we wanted to do as a worship team is to build a song pool and set list that would encourage people to not give up in the fight. 
right? And so we are reading through Luke and through Matthew about the storm and what is it? How can people not be shaken? You know that if you're in a fight, you're going to take hits, you're going to take blows, but we want to help people not give up. Don't give up. And so we started curating all these songs that would talk about putting our hope in Jesus and not being shaken and trusting in him. And two of the songs that we put in the song pool were the two songs that we sang this morning, Hope's Anthem and Cornerstone. And so for probably about two months, our worship team had been curating songs that would sing about hope and, and him being our foundation and us being rooted and grounded in love. And our whole mindset was we would picture people in our minds that were just going through it, people that were going through sickness and disease and fighting for their family and fighting for health and, and believing God for, for resources, for a job and all these things and saying, Lord, help us to, to put the songs together that are gonna remind people of your faithfulness and your word and that you, are, that you are covenantal God, that you won't give up on them, that they can trust you. And so that was our mindset. And so on September 28th, I was at a Starbucks and I just finished all of designing all of our set lists for the next two and a half months during this series. So I finished about four o'clock. I got done early and decided to go home. Now, when I went home that night, my wife, she had been packing uh, and getting ready for a trip. She was going to be going on her first mother-daughter trip to Nashville, Tennessee to visit her sister. And our little girl was about six months old, Aria Joy. And she, Kelly, was going with Aria and, with, uh, and the two boys were going to stay with me. So Kelly was packing. Isaiah, my oldest at the time, or he's still my oldest, thank God. Uh, my oldest, <laughs> I have no extra kids. Uh, <laughs> My oldest was playing with our daughter, Aria, and, and I was playing with the two of them as they got ready for the trip. So Kelly, if you've ever seen her, you might know she was a former athlete. She was at this time playing softball and getting active in there. So we went to play, uh, went to have dinner, put my daughter, Aria, down for a nap while we're having dinner, uh, had a great time. Afterwards, Kelly goes to get ready for softball and goes to feed Aria before her game, and I'm just starting to wash dishes. And right then, a storm hit. My wife went to go check on our daughter and she had not been breathing and her heart had stopped and she had already started turning blue. I remember hearing my wife's voice screaming from the top of the stairs. I ran up to the top of the stairs to meet her. She handed our daughter who was just limp and began turning a shade and was turning a shade of blue and started doing infant CPR and it just seemed like everything just began to freeze. My sons are freaking out because they've never heard mommy and daddy cry and scream and yell like we were, and we're calling 911. The paramedics are showing up. The fire ambulance is coming. The fire truck is showing up. And, and so many things going from our home to the hospital to the moment where this doctor looks at me and says, Sir, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. Within like three hours, my wife and I find ourselves back at our home, getting out of our cars without our daughter. And it literally began storming internally and externally in the situation. And at that time of being in shock and trying to figure out what the heck just happened, my wife and I went on our porch and got my guitar out, and all of a sudden, all the songs that I thought I was getting ready for other people to help them in their fight, God started bringing them to my remembrance. 
And I was sitting out there on that porch. My hope is in you, God. I am steadfast. I will not be moved. I'm anchored, never shaken. Oh, my hope is in you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And though in my current situation, I honestly just, I was physically shaken because of the word that had been sown in me and his word that was ever faithful, I was not destroyed. As a result of that, not because we're superheroes, but because he is who he says he is. Not only did my wife and I survive, but God has given us an opportunity to minister to many others who have walked through that. And some who haven't walked through that storm, but are walking through other storms. And so it will be tested, but those who build on the rock don't have to be worried about being tested. It's not about our faithfulness. It's about his faithfulness. It's not about us having it all together. It's about the fact that the word says he holds all things together by his word. And so when we build on the rock, we can be encouraged. It's not just a crapshoot. It's not a random game. Rock beats storm every time. It beats storm every time. So we don't have to be afraid of the testing. Our foundation will be tested. Point number three, I've said this, an unshakable life can be built. See, when we go back to this, he says the parable, the storm could not shake the house that the first man built because he built on the rock. The rock is symbolic of Jesus and his word, which is the only foundation worth building on. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand. He's saying, I want you to understand very clearly, if you don't build a foundation with me as the center of that foundation, me as a chief cornerstone, you won't just get wet in the storm, you will be destroyed. There's no alternative. Serving Jesus and building upon him as the rock is not just a great idea. It's the only idea that makes sense. It's the only idea that makes sense. It's the only idea that is logical when you think about it. If somebody told you, here's how you could be successful. You build this way and you'll be successful. You don't build this way, you'll be destroyed. Hmm. What do I got to do to be destroyed? It's insanity. But he's being very clear and he's so kind and generous that he's not afraid to tell us the truth. So how do we build our lives upon this rock that is Jesus? How do we build the unshakable life? I want to ask the worship team to come up and join me at this time. You see, everyone, as Scripture says in Luke 6, 47, everyone who comes to me, hears my words, and does them, I will show you what he is like. One, we come to him. We come to Jesus. We hear his words and we do what he says. 
We come to him. How do we come to him? We come to him each day, whether it be us coming to him in scripture, in prayer, in worship, coming to get to know him, unpacking this Bible. You know, if you're a new believer, you're just kind of exploring this. One of the things that we really want to encourage you to do, and for everyone, is to engage and sign up in a city group. We're starting city groups this week. We actually have one this evening. And part of why, and one of the main reasons we have these city groups is because we understand that discipleship doesn't happen on your own. It happens in relationship. Discipleship happens in relationship. And so we want to get in this Bible and see what he says about himself. See what he says about the world we live in. See what he says about who we are. And so we come to him by coming into his word. We come to him by joining together on a weekly basis and coming and worshiping and hearing the word of God preach and experiencing his presence in worship. That we get to know him and engage his presence and that we don't just come to him, but we hear him. It's not like one of those things where sometimes, you know, I know none of you would think this about me, but sometimes my wife and I, we have these admin meetings. And my wife, sometimes she can tell when I'm there, but I'm not there. She'll say, are you hearing me? Did you hear what I said? Did you write it down? We can come and we can be in an environment where the word of God is preached, or where God is speaking to us, but not listen. He wants us to come and hear what he says, but not just hear, actually do what he says. And the doing, when we begin to walk in obedience and step out, even when it feels uncomfortable, even when it's new, that's when it begins to get activated in our lives. And you'll find that it's not just about us doing it by our own will and strength, that when we step out in faith, his grace empowers us to live this thing out. Living the unshakable life isn't about living the perfect life, but it's building upon the perfect rock. And knowing that, you know what? Storm's going to come. Rain's going to come. Winds are going to blow. I'm going to be shaken at times. There's going to be times where you just feel outright crushed. I know some of you in here today, maybe you say, gosh, man, I've never lost a child before. But you've had your own storms. You've had your own scars. Some of you are in a storm right now. And I want to challenge you and encourage you. Don't just know that there is a way that you can make it. Come to Jesus. Come to the rock. If you're here for the first time or the second time or the third time, and you say, I, want, I have not built this way. I want to know this Jesus. I want to come to faith in him I want to invite you after service to come and connect with one of our team at the city central table we want to connect with you we want to pray with you we want to help you know this Jesus and we want to get you plugged in but I also before everyone here we're going to sing part of cornerstone again and I just want us to even do this as an act of realignment say, Lord, you know what? I've been building on some different things. I know I started in you. I started building one way, but over time, it's been a little bit easier. I found a little bit more security in managing things my way. 
building upon my own financial resources, building upon my own talents, my own gifts, my own understanding. And Lord, I want to stop trusting in these lesser things. The song says, I dare not trust the sweetest frame. There are even good things that you've been trusting in, but anything that we trust in above the chief cornerstone will fail. So Lord, we want to be grounded in you. I want to invite us all to stand together. And as we sing this, I want us just to remember who he is and who he will continue to be in our lives as we continue to trust him. And remember that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, that if we build the way he's called us to, that in this life, rock beats storm every time we build on the rock. Lord, we thank you that you're here. We thank you you are our faithful cornerstone. We can trust in you. Lord, help us this morning. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.